Wednesday that this huge explosion happens in West. So it starts with a fire at a fertilizer plant, and then that fire produces this massive explosion that registers as a small earthquake. I mean, that just huge. And then the week ends on Friday. I mean, who would have ever imagined that the whole greater Boston area is shut down because of tragic events on Thursday night? And then SWAT teams are going house to house. 70% of the houses in Waterton were visited by policemen as they're, they're, they're searching for this 19-year-old. Now, who would have ever imagined uh, just that that's going on? And, and, I, and I, you know, I, just, I just start thinking, wow, uh, there's these, what I just thought of, existential threats. That means threats to our existence. The, you know, we just see that we just keep running into there is terrorism. So any, anybody that, you know, manufactures a bomb and plants it secretly and it blows up in a public place. And I was visiting with a friend yesterday and that friend said, well, you know, I'm sure not going to Fiesta. Well, again, so I'm not going to Fiesta because I'm afraid terrorism is one. I was so glad to hear the, some, some official with the Boston Marathon. Was there going to be a marathon next year? Yes, there's going to be a marathon next year. And there's going to be one the year after that. And the year after that, we're not going to give in to uh, terrorism. And most of that terrorism is connected with political and religious radicalism. And, and it's hard to discern, is it political or is it religious? And so really there's this politico-religious fanaticism that becomes this combination with other factors and you have this terrorism. And, and we, we should, you know, we, we should be really slow. We don't want to incriminate other religions on the planet. Uh, I, I remembered part of my heritage is Norwegian. Not too long ago there was a fanatic uh, Norwegian that slaughtered 70-some people. And he, while he said, I, he said, I don't know Jesus personally, he said, but I am a cultural Christian. And I did what I did following the example of the Crusaders, the Christian Crusaders. And so, you know, we, you know, as part of, I mean, I, I hate that we have to be connected with a religion, but in world religions, we're connected with Christianity. There is fanaticism, radicalism in Christianity. There is in Hinduism. There is in Buddhism. There is in Islam. I mean, it, 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 there's no religion that doesn't have this radical fringe, this fanaticism that somehow politics and religion get all mixed up, violence is there, and usually it's connected with like a history of unforgiveness. I thought about Kathy, my sister, and this is one of the reasons that I'm so grateful for what she does. Because as she teaches people about reconciliation and justice, it's usually going backwards in history to moments of history where people have chosen not to forgive. And so that unforgiveness moves forward into generational battle and, and enmity and hatred. Uh, I, I thought about Israel and don't wish any, any evil on Israel as a nation, but was reminded uh, two weeks ago of a friend who said, you know, I just, I hear Israelis say a lot, you know, you never forget, never forget. 
And it, it kind of comes along with, and don't forgive. Never forget, don't forgive. And I'm thinking, no, that, 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 no. You, you, you've, when, when things go horribly wrong, you at some point want to get to a place of forgiveness. If we don't get to forgiveness, then horrible things keep happening. And so, you know, as you think about Israel and the, their spot in the world, whenever someone says, never forget, say, yeah, we don't want to forget, but we always want to forgive. We always want to forgive. Well, I can't forgive. Well, okay, you may not be able to forgive today, but that day must come that you have to forgive because that's, that's where this, the, just these, these horrible things happen. It's, some of it's just unforgiveness. And, you know, just explosions and guns. and I mean, it just goes on and on. So I started just having these questions bubble up during, as I watched this stuff, and I think that maybe some of you had similar questions. You know, will, will we survive? I mean, here's another round of tragedy. Will, will we survive? Or are we going to die because somebody blows us up? You know, will our nation survive? Our nation uh, has a history of being pretty secure, but that has, is being interrupted, and we're having this violence break out. And so is our nation going to survive? You know, is our planet going to survive? You know, it goes beyond just a, a pressure cooker bomb, and there's some nuts in this world that have nuclear weapons. Are they going to use those? Are they going to push those buttons? You know, will the planet survive? Then I think about our culture. There's cultural things happening, and we start thinking, well, maybe culture as I know it, maybe it's not going to survive. And then connected to that is, is people of faith. And maybe even more than people of faith, it's just churched people. Will the church survive? Will the church survive these existential threats that just keep coming? Well, as I started thinking about those questions, and then I'm reading in the Bible then I'm thinking, you know, I, I bet the apostles had similar questions. We've been with them, and, and there definitely is an existential threat for them. The apostles are on trial, and they're on trial with people that have the authority to throw them in prison, to beat them up. They even have the authority to kill them. So it's definitely an existential threat. The, the, this is a threat about, about our life these people have, are holding over our head. And it's not just us, but we represent now 10,000 people in this religious city. Will, will this, this new gathering of people, will, will it survive? It just seems like the forces are against it. And so I want to invite you to read this passage with me, Acts 5. 33 to 42, with all of that kind of as the background, then I want us to learn, you know, how, how did our forefathers in the faith face these existential threats, these threats to their very existence? So the Sadducees were furious and wanted to kill the apostles on the spot. That is an existential threat. Their existence is threatened. But one of the council members stood up, a Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel, a teacher of God's law, who was honored by everyone. He ordered the apostles taken out of the room for a short time, and he said to the rest of the Sanhedrin, Fellow Israelites, be careful what you do to these men. Not long ago, Thaudas made something of a splash, claiming to be somebody 
and got about 400 men to join him. He was killed. His followers dispersed. Nothing came of it. A little later, at the time of the census, Judas, the Galilean, appeared and acquired a following. He also fizzled out, and the people following him were scattered to the four winds. So I'm telling you, hands off these men. Let them alone. If this program or this work is merely human, it will fall apart. But if it is of God, there is nothing you can do about it. And you better not be found fighting against God. That convinced them. They called the apostles back in. After giving them a thorough whipping, they warned them not to speak in Jesus' name, sent them off. The apostles went out of the high council overjoyed because they'd been, been given the honor of being dishonored on account of the name, the name Jesus. Every day they were in the temple and homes teaching and preaching Jesus Christ, not letting up for a minute. In the midst of this trial, there's an older, wiser scholar by the name of Gamaliel that just has a moment of insight and excuses, you know, send the, send the apostles out, let's, let's have a moment. And his wisdom was this, one, one, we really need to proceed with caution here. You know, slow down. All of you are really angry. All of you are wanting to kill these guys. Slow down. Let, let's recall some of our recent history. And, and, he, and he remembers two individuals. Uh, one of, the one of them is most interesting. His name is Judas the Galilean. Did you notice it says Judas the Galilean at the time of the census? So at the time that Joseph and Mary are going from Galilee to Bethlehem to be registered in this census, there's another Galilean by the name of just Judas who says, I, I'm not going. I, I'm not doing that. I'm going to disobey that. And I'm going I'm to get some others around me. And so we're going to resist. And so they did. These guys were called, this is a very interesting term, Messianic insurgents. Does that catch your ear? <laughs> Interesting. There was, there was the wind blowing that Messiah would come. And so these, these two individuals, just, just sensing something big is about to happen prior to it happening by their own human force, the hand of people doing before what God's going to do kind of took matters into their own hands. They, they died. Their movements died with them. And yet, God still is doing something. It's very interesting. So he's saying, you know, just look. If this is a human thing, don't worry about it. We've already seen it come. It's gone. But this is something you need to do. You need to discern accurately. You need, you need to look at this movement this thing that's happening, and you need to answer this question. Is this work merely human, like the two prior, or is this work of God? And then he says, as a Pharisee, he says something that most Christians need to hear. If this is of God, 
If this is of God, there's nothing you can do about it. And you better not be found fighting against God. The church that the Bible talks about is not the same as the church that you and I see on every street corner. It's not talking about buildings, though they did meet in buildings. It's talking about this organic union of people, ordinary people, who are following Jesus, who cluster together to represent their king. That's that's basically what the church is. And if that, if that ecclesia, that, if that church, that church is of God, it cannot be stopped. There's nothing you can do about it. Just kind of hold on to that for a little bit. Well, it seemed wise to the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Israel, to take Gamaliel's wisdom. Okay, we can do that. And I just thought, hands off. I mean, they're still furious. They want to kill him. Uh, they, they give him a thorough whipping, which literally is the, their skin is falling off their backs. I mean, they were, they were really beat badly. And then they warned them again, do not speak in the name of Jesus. And did you notice having this this threat to their existence, did you notice what the apostles did? Overjoyed. Overjoyed. Because they'd been given the honor of being dishonored on account of the name. And every day, they went to the temple, and every day they went from the temple and dispersed into homes all over Jerusalem, and they didn't let up for a minute, teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom. You see, for them when they were arrested and they're spending the night in, in jail and then they're before the, the, the court and they're being whipped, I mean, it would have seemed somewhat like a Friday. And for you and me, you know, when we look at events like last week and there's death and destruction and hopelessness, I mean, it looks like Friday. But you know what we, can, we can't ever forget? And they didn't. That Sunday's coming. That I mean, you know, you can whip me. I mean, you can even kill me, but you're not going to kill me. So for our community, and oh, that it would be the church universal. You know, we, we, the work that we do, we've talked about children's ministry. You know, here we are gathering and we're eating together and drinking coffee together and we're worshiping God together, we're playing music together, we're, worship, we're praying. I mean, may, may these things, this work that we do, in-house, in a building, and out there and about in our city and around the world in the different nations, may, may that work really be of God. 
I mean, we, we should. That should be. Now, are we doing this because God is leading the way? Or are we doing this just because we think this is a good idea? I mean, we, that, that's, that would be a great thing for us. to Just keep at the forefront of our mind. The reason is that the things that are of God that we participate in are eternal. And they can't be stopped. It does not matter what happens around us. It does not matter what happens to us. There is a God who is real and he's alive and he has got a plan for this planet and nothing will thwart him. Nothing will thwart him. Disappointing to have setbacks last like well, that's disappointing. It's grievous for that kind of evil and that kind of loss to happen, but it does not thwart God. God will not be stopped. The people of God, the church, the body of Christ, Jesus is the head. Those of us that have, have pledged allegiance to Jesus and we're, we're following Jesus, and we represent Jesus, what we're doing, it can't be stopped. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's bomb after bomb after bomb. doesn't matter if there's legislation after legislation after legislation. doesn't matter if we're in this nation or that nation. does not matter. We're part of something that will never stop, can never be thwarted. So we just want to make sure that we stay in step with the one that's doing the work and we're just joining him. And, you know, I don't know how we learn this, but, you know, may we learn to rejoice when we're given the honor of suffering dishonor because of the name of Jesus. The only thing I could think of for me is, you know, there may be a day that I'm asked to do something by the government and I'm going to say, no, I can't do that. And they say, well, if you can't do that, then you're going to have to suffer the penalty. And I'll say, okay. And y'all can come visit me in prison. Maybe. So be it. So be it. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to get whipped. I mean, that doesn't sound like fun at all. But okay. How, may we learn the value of suffering dishonor because we're honoring the name of Jesus. Then I love, I love how this ends. You know, may we not let up for a minute. We've got a job to do. And it does not, ma- again, it doesn't matter where our culture is. It doesn't matter where our nation is. It doesn't matter what politician has been elected. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. We need to do what we do. And what do we do? We teach and preach Jesus Christ. That's our job. And we don't need to let up for a moment. We don't have to be silent. We just keep going and going and going. Because what we're part of cannot be thwarted. Last thing. Y'all can help me with this. Because I'm just beginning to think about it. I haven't spent a lot of time with it. But I've kind of thought about Peter's invitation. 
Peter, you know, the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. These people are amazingly empowered. There's this message of Jesus. And Peter says, come out. Come out of this. Save yourself from this perverse and crooked generation. So, so, if, so if I'm saying come out of that, I'm saying come into what? Saying come, come out of a generation that's crooked and, and, and perverse and come into something of eternity. So to me, that's painting a picture. It's not real clear right now. But, but my friends, I think the only way that we influence culture around us is that we actually are an alternative to the culture around us. Put it this way. I think the Mennonites and the Amish have it partially right. The part that's right is they, 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 are, they have an alternative culture. If you want to become an Amish or you want to become a Mennonite, you, you enter their culture. The part they don't have right is they've isolated themselves. So they're disengaged with the world around them. So if you could take that picture, so we'll all get straw hats for next week, and, and you take us in straw hats, but we remain engaged with our neighbors and with the world around us, we are still providing something different than what is offered on this planet. And, and we're in the midst of it. So that's where like the incarnate God became in the, in the midst. So we're, we're incarnate, we're in the midst of humanity. But we represent a whole different culture. We represent a whole different family. We do things differently, but in a winsome way. And it's always this invitation. Come out. Come out of that twisted and perverse generation. Enter into this culture that's eternal. And and we'll see our world change. That's who we are. So would you like to stand with me? Let me say a prayer with us. Jesus, when we come to this point of just standing before you and, and just saying a simple prayer, I think the place that my mind goes to is I, I'm just extremely grateful for you. Thank you that you are willing to enter our crazy world. And thank you that in entering our crazy world, you were willing to suffer the violence of this world. You, you allowed yourself to be treated horribly, to be rejected, to be beaten, to be mocked, to ultimately be uh, hung on a, on, a, on a cross and to die. You, you, you suffered violence. And you, you did that for us. You did that so that you could say to the world, look, I've been through death and, and now I've entered into life. And your invitation for us and for the world around us is, 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 is an invitation into life, eternal life. And your invitation is enter something that's, that's permanent, something that is uh, of heaven, uh, something of where, where this planet is going, something premature happening now. 
And so, Lord, I, I just pray for us. When, when we have these events in our nation that just kind of rock the nation or rock these cities, Lord, I, I just pray that you give us a perspective of compassion, of mercy, but then at the same time of fearlessness and just a call for us to be who you've called us to be and to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we have great news to live and we have great news to deliver. And in spite of the headlines, oh Lord, you're still God and, and you still have a place of, of hope and life that you're taking us to. So Lord, empower us with courage by the Holy Spirit to live well in these very trying days and together represent you well. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for our time together. Enjoy the day.